Uh, brother, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Man, no doubt, no doubt, man. It's an honor and a privilege to have you. So, um, so how's your week been so far? Uh, to be honest, it's been a really long week. I'm getting over uh, a cold or a really bad episode of allergies, whichever the one is, but I'm doing better now, thank you. That's good. That's awesome, man. That's good. Yeah. Um, allergies and colds could really be a pain in the ass for sure, man. It's it's craziness, man. So um, I guess I'll just start with the first question. So as far as poetry and your art skills and stuff like that, um, how did all this start for you? It started by accident, to be honest with you. Um, I'm super competitive, and uh, I was on Facebook one day, and uh, I used to write these little quips on you know, Facebook. And people started to copy them. So one day I rhymed, and it got the most views that I'd ever gotten. So I ran with it. So, um, so, so talk to me about that day when you were on Facebook. Like, how did it make you feel? Like, how, how did everything just, like, so was it, like, when that happened, did that push you to keep doing this? And if it, when, when it did, talk to me about how you felt seeing what you saw that day. Honestly, I was surprised because I had never written poetry before. So that was my, it was like a little three-liner, and, and it was about my children, which was, which was cool. So my very first poem that I ever wrote was about my son, and uh, it got the most likes, it got the most attention. And then um, I just kept writing. I kept, I kept doing that, and every week I started like a, a daily, almost like a blog, but it was through Facebook. So every day, I'm so sorry, because it's about Facebook specifically. Um, I was unaware there was a Facebook place or a poetry place in Facebook. So where, how, like, how did you come across that? So it was basically my friends. Um, if you call, if, if you want to call a friend, my sister calls them my following. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I, I was just writing little quips, and I would put like a little quote at the end, and people used to be like oh that's awesome and then i noticed people started to do the same thing and i don't like it when people copy like what i do i'm always trying to like push myself to be the best at everything i do and like i said so the first time that i rhymed it like it got a lot of feedback people it got like the most comments i'd ever gotten it got like all these likes and i was like oh that's pretty cool let me try it again and then i just kept doing it and doing it and then it got to the point where like i i started thinking in rhyme at work and I'd be thinking ba 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 like the cat and the hat and the bat and the sat and the that and that's that's pretty much how it went on Facebook. It was basically my friends were interacting with me through the poetry. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about your pro so when you're creating a piece, right? Can you walk us through what goes through your mind when you're writing like you're coming up with rhymes you're coming up with stuff like can you walk us through the process like how does that look like for you it's it usually starts off with like an idea like i'll I'll be like it's usually random i'll be sitting down and i'll be like let's say i'm thinking about my parents and i'll be like boy uh my father did me dirty so then it's like i'm sitting there and i I can't believe he talked all this shit. And then I'd be like, what rhymes with shit? 
oh, now I'm about to have a fit, what rhymes with fit, and then and I just keep going and going, and I'll put it all on paper, but then I go back, and I start taking out, adding in, taking out, it's like a puzzle. I'm constantly trying to make it, everything cohesive, I want everything to rhyme, I want everything to flow like a river. So it starts off really basic, but then I start rhyming internal words with external words, and I just keep going and going until it's to a point where I, I like it, where I think that the view you will like it as much as I do. Awesome. So I also know that you have um, quite a couple accomplishments too. Um, absolutely. So talk about what you think is the most important thing that you've achieved so far in this avenue. I'd say the outpouring of people that could relate to my story. Um, I was very surprised that the number of friends that went through the same thing that I did, and I had no idea. Um, I was surprised at how many people I would have touched through the book that I wrote. And I was really surprised that the similarities between rich and poor, because I grew up poor, but people that had everything still had similar situations. And I was really surprised at that because I thought rich, richer meant better always you know what i'm saying so i was wrong in believing that and it, i was really surprised when, when i found out that my friends peers colleagues whatever you want to call them had gone through similar situations that i did and some of the people i was like really blown away because you, you never would have guessed and i think that's what people say about me is like you just never would have guessed that i would have gone through what i went through and now people are getting to interact with me and um my my DMs are open. Like, if you read my book and you hit me up and you ask me a question, I answer all questions. I'm, I don't know if all authors do this, but I do it. I, I love talking about the book. I love sharing my story. And I love helping others. So the more people I can help through this book, that's the goal. I want to help people. I want to let people know that no matter what situation you've been in, any type of abuse, you're not alone. I went through it. And if I went through it and you went through it, then we went through it together. That's a very powerful message. And... Um... Some people might be new to you. So I know you said you like to share your story. Um, is that something I can ask right now for you to kind of give us a little brief interlude? Because I know we want to talk about the book and, and how writing that book, what was that like? How was it a catharsis? We'll get into that. But if we can get like a background of your story right now for anybody that might be newer to you, because we have a wide, diverse audience. Um, that's why we like bringing in so many incredible poets and artists. So if that's okay to ask. Absolutely. So, I, in my life, I've been through a lot of abuse. Um, you name it, I've been through it. And that's not to say that my life was bad, because my life has been amazing. But when I started writing this book, I had written 100 poems or so, and they were all random. Like, nothing made any, like, nothing uh, interacted with the other. No two poems were the same. And I was like, look, I wrote all these poems. And someone was like, well, who's your core audience? And I was like, what? And like, you, do you have a target audience? And I was like, oh, shoot, I don't have a target audience. And at the time, I, I was fighting with family members. And I was like super angry. So I wrote a poem about my family. And then and that one poem led to another poem, led to another poem. And by the, I was like diarrhea of the mouth. Like it was just coming out of my pen. 
and I was just going and going and going. Next thing you know, I've got 30, 40, 50 poems, and they're angry. They're bad. I'm I'm Eminem insulting everybody. And um, so that... How did it feel out? Like? Writing them felt amazing. The after effect was like... I, I dissected the, these poems like 30, 40 times. I, I like... I pulled out a lot of stuff. I beat up a lot of poems that were like really, really, really super wordy and and amazing, but I took everything out of them because I didn't want to offend anybody. I like I tried not to hurt anyone's feelings. But I still had a story to share and I and I had my um my own truth to tell. So that's So that makes sense, so Oh, hold up. No, I know, yeah, just be, okay, here we go. No, no, that makes sense what you're saying as far as, like, you know, when you tell your story, you want to do it with respect, you didn't want to offend anybody. And I think that's the important part, too, like, because, you know, because, you know what it is, too, like, it's like, even when you don't want to be offensive, there's always going to be someone that gets offended, but at the end of the day, my whole thing is, hey, you know what, but this is part, this is my story, this is my life. So you said something interesting that was very interesting about the rich and the poor, and um, you made an interesting point about how sometimes, the richer, that means the more good. Can you walk me through that perception? Like, what was it about that perception that made you change when you experienced, you know, other people go, going through hardships like you did? Like, hey, like, like, what was that perception like? And what was, was there a pivotal moment that made you change that perception? Yeah, I was I was talking to one friend in particular, and uh, they hit me up about a, a certain poem, and they were like, you know. My so-and-so abused me my whole life. And I was like, yo, that was a good person. I knew that person. And, uh, and I was like, this guy had everything. He had, he had the house. He had the dog. He had the food. He had the cars. And here I am. I have nothing. And I'm, I look up to this person like, wow, they, they go home every day to the perfect life. Well, I go home, you know, and we're struggling. And, and to find out, like, he went through the same same thing I did. He had everything. I had less than everything, and we're living the same life. It was a real eye opener. Like after the fact, I, I I was like really surprised. I never would have guessed that someone you know who came from um, that type of upbringing would have experienced similar things that I had gone through. No, the, yeah, no, I, I get that because I grew up poor myself too. I lived in public housing, and you know, I, my parents didn't really have much either so i get what you're saying because again like i grew up with the whole the more money you got the more stuff you're afforded or the more privileges you got but and i think what i guess like for me i've always kind of sort of understood but didn't really 100 percent understood i think what really opened my eyes was i'm gonna say when robin williams passed away because he was one of that people that like he was just full of life full of joy making people laugh but then on the inside he was really struggling and really dealing with depression and i was watching this podcast the brotherly love podcast um matt du lawrence because he was in this doubt fire and he was talking about how on the set he's cool but then there would be moments where let's say when they're not recording he's in the room by himself and how he was saw him kind of like depressed and stressed out and it just changed the perception like damn you really never know a person until you really know them and i think in that same way you're saying i think in that same way with robert Woods as well but I've had friends like that, too. Like, I had a friend of mine, you know, God rest his soul now, but he was a man of God himself. This was this is when I was, like, early 20s, and he, 
was battling depression and he ended up taking his life, you know, but it's just those things. Like when we meet him, he was always talking about God and how you love going to church, but yet, yet he, he took his life. And it was just one of those things. Like you never really know people, you know, and it sucks that, you know, I think, I think society's gotten to the point where they'll paint these pictures of something to look a certain way, but then we don't know what happens behind the picture. Like what was going on in the canvas before it was painted. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's the way that speaks to me. And it's interesting, you know, how, this is what life is sometimes. I, I have this thing that I use for myself all the time, and it, it's uh, suicidal with a fear of dying. And, and that's the way I, I've described my feelings personally. It's like, there are days when it's like, why am I even here? And then you think of the alternative. It's like, well, I'm not here. You know what I mean? So, it's, it's, I understand uh, that. When Chester Bennington died, uh, Lincoln Park was like the old, the first album I ever listened to from cover to cover, and I was like, "Man, this is amazing! This guy's living the life." And then he takes his own right after his birthday. It's like you just don't know; you never know. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. That, and I think that's what it is that that makes it more scary, you know. Um, just before I got live on here, um, I'm a I'm a wrestling fan, and I just found out that this wrestler Bray Wyatt died at 36 years old. And my last time we checked, he was just wrestling maybe a couple of months ago, and then he took the he had like an unidentified illness, and then we just find out today, oh yeah, he died. I'm like, wait, what? So no one knows what he died, but I. Know he did struggle with mental health issues so i like to hope maybe that's not what thing is but it's like you said before you know but i think what gets me is how just like that like like something could just you can have one thing now and then just like that it's gone and it, it's it's just it's just crazy to think like how easily something can be taken away from us like that you know i am also uh i used to be a long time wrestling fan i don't watch it so much anymore but I, I do know Bray Wyatt and the Sister Abigail. I thought was a very creative name for a finishing move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt like he was gone too soon for sure. I will say that because I actually enjoyed his work because he was so creative and so poetic. I mean, with all, but like he was very poetic in his own right as well. You know, with his promos. But yeah, uh, my bad. Like, Angela, did you have anything to add on to our conversation? I'm afraid to talk. <laughs> I'm just like afraid to talk because I completely um, commiserate and understand completely with the whole suicidal idolation, but it's not necessarily an active thought. It's just a thought that happens with no cause. It just is there. So I usually, I mean, people who have been listening to me talk, blah, 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 they know I, I'm a bio teacher. So I like to always associate those feelings as like evolutionary like that fight flight or freeze situation so it's my brain trying to eliminate whatever it is that it doesn't want to feel or experience but sometimes you don't even know what that is it just is there and so i understand that but i except the i don't know how i i my difference is on the opposite side you said a uh, suicidal with a fear of dying I don't, I don't have that fear, but I don't know what it is that's driving me forward. It's just like there's a safety latch that's just jammed in and just won't budge, even though no matter how low I feel it, just my bottom just won't let it go. But again, you never know. So that, for me, 
um, people have said, why don't you write happy? Why don't you write happy? Why don't you write happy? I don't know what it is about anger and misery, but I can write the shit out of it. When I try to write happy, it's almost like it's fake. I'm, I'm forcing it, and I don't like that. I, I want, I'm not going to put out anything that's not authentic. So I understand, I understand fully what you're saying because there are times when you don't even you don't know why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. Like I felt like I want to cry just by sitting like by myself doing nothing, and it's like why do I feel this way right now? Like I'm content, I've got everything I want in life, like I'm happy, but I want to cry for no reason. It, it, it's it's a, the weirdest thing to me. So I, I understand what you're saying. But it's it's so true. You know what's funny too because um. Back to what you were saying, you know, how I don't know why I feel this way. It's true because I know with me, it's like that too. Like, you know, I look back in my life where I used to be and where I'm at today. I'm like, wait a minute, but I don't really have much to complain about other than maybe I hate my job. <laughs> but other than that, but I don't really have much because I have a wife. I have a child. I live in a nice home, you know, yeah. And, and home to me is not always the four walls. It's always just, you know... To me, my home is my wife, my son, and my Lord and Savior, right? But then there's these times where I'm by myself and I do feel like I do feel low of my, myself. I mean, it's bad enough I struggle with self-esteem issues as it is, but it's like it, it, it's something about pain that for whatever reason, we write more authentically in pain. Um, Angela, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, was it with Robert Kazi that he talks about that with the pain when the writing and stuff like that? Was that with Robert or was that with Cece? Do you remember? Because he said they they said something very interesting about yeah, yeah, that. I think both of them touched on that because both of them experienced Cece's a little bit different, and Robert's was more um, autobiographical, going through those things where one was really trying to heal from extreme trauma, you know. So I think both of them. All right, but it's something about, like, I don't want to say I find pleasure in the pain, but I feel like it's through the pain I get to write my best work, if that makes sense. Because like you said, I've written poems that, like, I genuinely did feel good that I've, uh, yes, I, I like, like, for example, like, I, I do write poems about God, right? But it's never anything like, I love you, Lord. It's more like, I need you because I'm in fucking distress. Get this shit away from me. It's mm -hmm. more shit like that rather than be like, like, like King David, I would dance naked. Like, I can't write shit like that. I try writing like that. I can. It just will not come out. And I think it's like you said, it doesn't feel real. It feels fucking fake. It feels like, okay, I'm just doing it just to do it. But it's something about when you're in distress, it's like you, your best work comes out. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, that's that's how I, I see I'm, that. I'm also a dark poet. I I do challenge myself to write other genre or other themes, but to me, it's easy to take pain and twist it into something deeper and darker into the paper. You know, and that is what keeps me able to interact because it's there. It's it's somewhere else. Cause it's because I can't process it in a in the reality. I have to process it here. Yeah, I remember one poem in particular where I was like, I went up to heaven and I'm screaming, God, you know, like why? What are you doing? Like, and it's like, who the hell am I? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but in poetry, you can get away with whatever you want. You know what I mean? I'll repent later. You know what I mean? Right now, I'm gonna speak my shit. We're gonna have a conversation. And then I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like, I wonder why that is, though, right? Like, for me, like, you said, I, I'll do this stuff later, repent later. Yeah, it's like, to me, I look at it like, okay, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry. But I am sorry, but I don't want to be sorry. But, yeah, it's more like, okay, like, it is what the fuck it is. And it's true, man. Um, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's an interesting. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here, Angela. It's a word I'm looking for, but it's an interesting. I don't want to say it's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting aspect, I guess you can say, when it comes to pain or something negative. Because I could, I could be positive and be like, okay, great. But like somebody told me one time the more you keep smiling, you'll convince yourself you're happy. But I'm just like, but then I'm being fake by doing that. Because if I'm, if I'm, if I feel like I'm underpaid, then I'm sorry, I'm not, that's not something to be happy about. Then people would be like, oh, but you know, at least be happy you're not homeless, you have a job. I'm like, yeah, but maybe, maybe I should be homeless, you know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, if this is what I got to go through, then maybe I'll have more peace in not having a home than having peace, having a home, and then be depressed all day, like, you know? Have you ever heard of the term Irish diplomacy? Actually, no, not really. It's telling someone to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip. And I, I think that's what you're just talking about. It's like, you're going to get it all out, but the other person's going to be like, oh, that's amazing. Well, you're, you're basically telling them to go fuck themselves, but you've written it in such a way that they're like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> a lot of people um, identify with this dark type of poetry and also they feel comforted by it. And because a lot of us that go deep and dark and twisted to try to communicate, you know, you said you went angry and, and really deep into this book, um, that it just allows us to interact as everyday people even though we go there because like you said you can go there in poetry you can really say some fucked up shit and, and be a normal human being and it it's kind of cool to do that you know so um talk about like your process of going into the book like how were you able to sculpt it the way that you did so the sculpting of the book uh believe it or not stemmed from me hearing that my I'll, I'll say, my, my parents were going to sue me before the book was even published. I was I was told through a source that uh, they had said that if, if I shared too much information that they were going to take me to court. So I, I was like, well, that's not nice. <laughs> because here I am trying to clear my self-conscious. I'm trying to heal myself. And that's all, that's all the book really was, was me getting everything from here out of my head. Because for all, all of my life, I've carried it. It became a burden. And even when I went to the doctor, I ended up in the hospital. They were like, you're literally killing yourself. Your brain is killing your heart, is killing your body. you are got to find a way to get rid of it. And I'm like, well, I've been writing. And they're like, do it. Get it all out. And that's what that's where the book. So I started writing poem on top of poem on top of poem. And it was like, I've got all these poems. But now how do I make it so that I don't get sued? So. I'm thinking, I'm writing about my family. Let's write about the family tree. And we're going to, it's poetry, so I'm going to use some metaphors. So adults are leaves. Children are 
seeds, there's apples, there's nuts, there's weeds. And so you won't find the name in the book other than my friend that passed away. I, I paid tribute to him, and I did that on purpose. But other than that, there's no names, there's no breadcrumbs. If you could take the breadcrumbs and bake a cake with it, then have at it. But um, there's nothing there. It's all leaves, seeds, apples, nuts. And to people have come and be like, I can't believe Rome said this about me. And it's like, I didn't say anything about you. What did, what did you read? Oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, you thought that was you? Okay. Well, then it must have been true. You just outed yourself. And, and that, that, you know what I mean? So that's, that's what the book, that's how I started it. It was like, I'm not trying to get sued. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But I'm also going to talk my shit. I got to get it out. It's it's in here. I got to get it out. So that's when the, the idea came. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the metaphor of a family tree, and we're gonna go that route. Mm, okay, Angelo was saying, yeah, it's like animal farm. That's exactly what I was thinking. Animal farm. That was because when I was young, I heard of the book. I thought Animal Farm was a children's book. Like, no, it's not children's book. Like, oh, whoops! But it, that's exactly what I was thinking about Animal Farm. But you're using like trees and nuts and leaves. Like, that's I love that. Um, I think that sucks though too. That like my whole thing is damn. Like, they're gonna sue me? Like, really? Like, that's that sucks because I'm like, damn, you should be supporting me. Like, hey, you're going through a tough time, but you're using that stuff. It's like it's like well, uh, I think it was Rosie that said it. She says that. That in, I'm like, ugh, well, sorry, I'm like tongue twisting here. Rosie was saying how she hopes her book is like a survival guide. And I feel like that's what you were trying to do. It's a survival guide to how to help somebody else who's probably who's going through the same thing you're going. That's the way I look at it. And I'm thinking like, oh, I would think my parents would be proud of me. But I, even if I did mention a name or two here and there, but it doesn't mean like, what you think it is, but then you said something very interesting. Oh, this, this, that, and the third, and that's why I think you're talking about me. I'm thinking, okay, then that means you probably have a guilty conscience. Then, if you think this is about you, oh, did you do something? Like, what's up? So I love, I love how you put that in perspective. That way. yeah, yeah. Even when I was breaking down the book, I was like, how are people going to understand what I'm trying to get accomplished here? So in like, it's, it might be the third or fourth poem. I the entire poem breaks down my family tree. And it's like, we've got leaves, we've got seeds, we've got the bad apple that spoiled the bunch, we've got the people that are smoking the purple leaves, you know what I mean? Like, I really break it down so that you understand who's who, what's what, but I, I don't use your name. I don't tell them who you are, I don't even tell I don't use a profession, I don't say the dude with the red coat, it's all metaphorical, leaf seeds. I even went and this is where I, I told you I rewrote the book like four or five times. I went back after the fact and took out E's and she's. So now everybody's gender neutral. And then after all that, I went back to the beginning of the book and took out I and made it he. So now you relate, you relate, they relate, because it's no longer about me. It's, it's, it's he. And that could be you, that could be her, that could be him, it could be anybody. Um, I wanted to make a comment because um, <clears throat> it seems like obviously there is some tumultuous situation happening between the family and they are some sort of fear, anxiety that they will be exposed or feel like a, a shame upon them or upon whatever the situation. So 
there's a lashing out that happens sometimes with that fight, flight, or fear, you know, and it's fucked up sometimes, you know, when that stuff happens, because people will do and say the most vile, vicious things, and it's, it almost is out of their control at times, because it's so, it becomes, you know, animalistic, you know, mammalian, you know, in that primal brain, you know, just to protect, to fight, you know, because they don't want anything out there, but still, to be able to do that in such a way where absolutely incredibly genius and important because like Andy said, like we heard from Rosie that this is not just for you. This is for people who might need to hear this It's for people who want to appreciate, you know, other people's artwork because we're all human and getting to experience this, um, this cornucopia of existence. But I think that would be a really good time to hear some, some work from you, you know, because this is, we want to not just highlight you, but we want to also highlight your work. Um, so do you have something you would like to share right away for our, us and our audience? I always, I always include this poem in every interview I do because it's, I think it's the most important poem. Um, it's the poem called Semicolon. I don't know if you've heard it before, um, but I wrote it during my darkest time. I wrote it as a cry for help. I wrote it for my family to be like, kind of be like, yo, he really is going through some shit and ask some questions. And when I didn't get a response, that's when I knew, like, something's not right. So uh, this one is called Semicolon. <clears throat> Heart semicolon, thoughts heavy rolling, blood steady strong. There's no control in these suicidal tendencies. Constantly feeling the weight of tendencies, and I'm drowning. Yeah, your boys in battle and demons since the tender age of nine spend the same amount of time, so I've been saying that I'm fine, yet there's been at least a time or three where they've gotten the best of me, and I tripped over that fine line. Okay, I threw myself across the tears trickle out of my faucet. Unfortunately, there's no offset. Each failed attempt to pause. It's got me cleaning out my closet, and I'm drowning. Beneath this mass of memories, bequeath these massive reveries, because this is all that's left of me. These tears shift to the left of me. As I sit here and hesitantly ponder, my mind starts to resistantly wander. Absence has never helped me grow any fonder of this depression that drags me down yonder. For years I've been treading lightly. All my fears have been dead slightly. One by one overcome them nightly. Grasping for droplets of sanity tightly. And I'm drowning. Trapped in this storm of thunder. Day by day I slip a little further under. Anxiety and depression my lightning and thunder. With tears raining on my face in a blunder. When will my misery end? I constantly wonder. Always so fucking depressed. This weight of burden lays across my chest. On the inside I'm a goddamn mess. But on the outside, I'm clean cut, got my shit together, and I'm always neatly dressed, and I'm drowning. I just wanted you to know that you're not alone, because I'm with you. Rome. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I gotta let, we gotta let this one sit in, because, wow. Wow. <laughs> Yo. Wow. Oh. Angela, I, I'm on, wow. Oh, shit. Wow. Can I talk? <laughs> um, so for me, absolutely. I can tell why you choose that one every time. Um, because of the impact. <clears throat> I kind of I felt like this. The, the tone, the tempo, and the true authentic terror that you're really describing that is real, that is felt. You know, the constant repeat, repeating of I'm drowning, I'm drowning, because that's what it feels like. And that's what it feels like to be drowning. You're bobbing, you're panicking, you're up for a second, but then you pull back down. 
you're up for a second, you're pulled back down. It's panic. It's sure panic. And what makes it even worse is to finally reach out because to accept that you're drowning, to finally ask for support when you're drowning because you, you try to hide it or be strong the entire time. And to not get a response, that's devastating because to say, hey, I'm drowning and there's no hand to pull you out. You got to pull yourself out or you're done. So what you really encapsulated the entire sensation through that. So that's what I fucking love. Wow. Yeah. Um, I like the part where it says inside of a mess, but outside of a clean cut like that. You know, that really, it's one of, the, you know, it's funny because I was at church yesterday and they were talking about like the David Goliath story, but one thing, and I've never seen, it was like this one little sentence in this one little verse. I've never, I've never someone, i never seen someone use this in any kind of perception, except I, until I heard this sermon and he, he was talking about when King Saul gave David the armor, but it didn't fit him. So Dave was like, you know what, I'm going to just take this off. I don't need it. And then he did it his own way. And one thing the sermon that was saying, we have to, it, oh, how did he say it? Like, we have to be careful what we put on because sometimes we put on somebody else's stuff, not realizing that this is not, like, we're not here to fit in, right? So it's like, okay, I, I asked you for help, but... This is not the kind of help I had in mind kind of thing. I think the kind of help I'm really asking for is just to just support me kind of thing. I just want you to hear me out type of situation. So the sermon, oh, I'm, I, okay, I don't, so I don't remember the exact words, but I remember he's saying that we got to work, we got to be careful about what we put on because not everything we put on is meant for us to fit in, if that makes sense. And um, in that same way, in that inside I'm a mess, outside I'm clean cut, um, I think it works that same way because I want to be like, you know, in that perspective, yeah, we, we want to be like everybody else as far as, yeah, I have a life. I have it all figured out. <clears throat> Sorry. But then realistically inside, I'm not doing well, but I live in this outside where it's like, because I'm a man, right? We're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to act a certain way. We got to be a certain way, talk a certain way. And then I realized over time, like, you know what? I don't want to live up to this expectation. So I'm going to take this clothes off. I'm going to take off this perception that people have thrown my way. And I'm like, you know what? You're not going to tell me how to think. You're not going to tell me how to look. You're not going to tell me how to walk. I'm going to just throw this armor away and I'm going to do it my own way. And this is what makes me comfortable. And you're going to, like, the real people who see me are going to be the ones that are going to know me for who I truly am and they're going to accept me for who I truly am. And the ones that don't, they're not meant to be in your life, you know? So in that same way, I think it's, 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 but it's hard because again, like the outside part is very, it's hard, you know, especially being a man, it's not, it's not easy because we've been taught to be a certain way. We've been conditioned to be a certain way, but then it comes to realization. Like, you know, it's okay to have our alone time. And, it's okay if not everybody gets to hear it, but it's okay if the people who are closest to you that that really gravitate to you, they're the ones that are going to be the ones that... It's like when the dust settles, you know who the real people are. The real people... Oh, my God. The real people are the ones that stick by you when the dust settles is pretty much what I'm trying to say. I don't know if all that makes sense. Please let me know. I get you, but it's like I expected certain family members to be like especially when the book dropped when the book dropped i was like you find out that i 
I was molested for the first time, my entire family found out through this book, and not one person was like, oh my god, are you okay? It was, how many times could that happen? Or, you know what I mean? Or, like, when did that happen? How could that have happened? And it's like, does it matter? Like, yeah, it, it, as long as it happened? You know what I'm saying? And so, I, I know what you're saying. Wow. That's, damn. You know, it, it reminds me, too, what you just said. It reminded me when I was a kid. Like, I got into a fight in school. Instead of saying, hey, are you okay? It was more like, oh, well, what did you say to that person that wants them to punch you in the face? Like, oh, what did you say? And same thing with Just Star, Angela. Remember when we had that one open mic live? She wrote her piece about her getting raped, and the, the first thing someone said to her was, oh, what were you wearing? Why were you over there? I'm like, how about, um, what about, okay, am I okay? How am I feeling? Like, like the response, like you said, and it's like, it sucks that our surroundings could be insensitive like that. Damn, you know? It, it hurts because, especially like you said, when it comes to family too, it's like those are the people who I expected would be closest to me the most, that would be there for me the most, and those are the same people who kind of pretty much shat on me. And I'm like, how many times could that have happened? Hello? That, that, that fucking messed me up. Like, and you're asking me how many times, like, or how could that have happened? Like, that's, that's insane. Like, I just don't understand that. I don't understand that mentality because my whole thing is, again, it's more like, okay, if you're if I see someone's being depressed, hey, are you okay? Want to talk about it? I'm here. We could talk about it. But it, it seems like it's not like that everywhere. And it sucks. It sucks, man. You know, especially if you have blood. It's, it's craziness, man. What do you think, Angela? I think it's terrible. Um, I have a question, though. Um, one... Um, I did not get a, a, an impression that you had a very uh, strong connection to religion. So is that something that you are connected to? Okay. When did that come along? Was that from your story? Or like, when did you reach that? Because I know, Andy, you've been bringing that up a lot. So I, I felt like I missed something. So I wanted to understand that connection. And then two, I also want to know before, because we're getting towards, you know, the almost already towards the hour, and we want to hear more work. But how did it feel to be that award-winning finalist, you know, in that 2021 category? Because that's a pretty incredible achievement. So I know I just asked you two incredibly different questions, but I'm still interested in both topics. So the religious thing, um, I've always believed in God. I believe, I've always believed in, in like a higher being. Um, sadly enough, it, it wasn't until my son passed away um, when I really realized that there is a God because I lost my son and he gave up his life for me. So that's where I said when that poem that I wrote where I went to God and it was like, why would you do this to me knowing how it feels? And like, you lost your son, I, you just took mine. You know what I mean? And, and, in the, and in that moment, I was like, you know, it was like a coming to Jesus moment where it was like, this is real, like, you know, so, like, it, like, like, it just consumed my whole body, I went from angry to sad to crying to, okay, I'm okay with this, and, and, and I'll never be fully over the fact that my son passed away, but the fact that I, I know he's in a better place, and someday I'll see him again, that's what keeps me going, the, the belief 
that I will someday see my son again, there's a higher being, and, and, I, and that's where that lies. So, yeah, every day, every day when I leave work, I walk up the door. I got this ritual that I do because I'm super OCD. Um, I look up at the sky. I thank God for another beautiful day. I cross my heart, and then I get in my car and go home. So, like that's that, that's that. Um, Can I make a quick comment? Because I don't want to have to go back to comment on that. That's why I was so stupid to ask the two totally different questions. I think that's wonderful because um, there are a lot of different belief systems that have the similar ideals of the afterlife and the extra, you know, there's more to this. And um, even people like me who are more of a scientific, you know, mathematically based, there is so much, it's the how things happen that is unexplained and undefined and that's where it is found. So the connections that we're able to release it bonds us, you know, it bonds us to why we're here. It brings back ourselves. So I think that's incredible. And I think that's really well stated how you were able to realize that moment and really articulate it in that way. So I just want to say thank you for that information because that was kind of an off ball question. And then now let's talk about winning that the national finalist thing. Um, before I was going to say this one thing, actually, I didn't even know about the religion thing. I was just saying because I'm speaking on my life. So I didn't know that Rome was a religious guy in that aspect. I didn't know that. I was just saying because I was speaking on my experience based on the sermon I heard yesterday and how it all connected with each other. So I feel like, I'll say this, ever since I started this podcast, I do believe God's been tugging at me a lot, especially the last couple of months, because um, for years now, I've been very complacent with my faith. And it's interesting how little things would happen recently this year, because I'm in that very uncomfortable season where, Little by little, I feel I do feel like God's trying to tug at me, like trying to get my attention, like, hello, like, you know, you're not alone kind of thing. And it's just like little things, you know, here and there, like poking at me, but striking a nerve, but not in a bad way, but in a good way, like giving me perspective, like, okay, hey, look, you know, maybe you're going through it, but you don't know who else is going through it as well. You don't know how worse or how, how bad someone has than you do, you know, and it's one of those, that perception that God's trying to show me and and he's just did it right there right now too like because i have a four-year-old myself and i complain all oh, about all the other kids how come that there is they're already talking and then he can't even he's starting to talk now because i was speech delay he's speech delay and it's like damn but i didn't want to pass on this generational curse and all this other stuff but it's it, it's interesting god again showed me perception like he's showing me right now like hello but like look, look what you just said you don't even have your son you know i'm like okay but you you're doing in this you're saying that but imagine what he had to go through or in your case what you had to go through but the revelation that god gave you tell you hey i lost my son too you know kind of thing and it's like that really that's how i right now that really like hey, i'm just like trying to process what you're saying because that really just struck that good nerve that okay it's giving me perception you're giving me another perspective of the situation or in my life that helped that Make, helps me understand better, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but just making me see the bigger picture of things, even though they hurt. Same thing with my father. You know, I lost my father five years ago, and I, I seen him die, you know, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a better place now mentally because of that, but there's not a day I don't think about him and wonder, like, damn, could I have done something better? But then I feel like God's always reminded me, don't worry about it. He's in good hands. He's not suffering here. He's with us now. He's 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 eating at the table. He's having a great time now. He's not in this life anymore. But you'll see him again, like you said. And it's like I'll, I will see my father again, you know. And it's like uh, 
does that does that the perspective that I'm seeing it like I saw it as you're saying it it's just um so much respect for you for that man like thank you for sharing that with us I appreciate that like I said you you can take the good or you can take the bad it's like every time I feel like I've been at my wits end God gives me something else to deal with and it's like it's not always it's good <laughs> but it's like how do you deal with the situation how do you overcome that situation and how do you like live in the moment like how do i i feel like I'm, i don't want to overshare because i feel like i, I you know spill my guts but it's like i dropped my book one of my family members told the entire family choose him or me they drew the line down the sand and i was disowned by 90 percent of my family so right now i've got a sibling i've got a cousin and i've got an aunt that's my family outside of the family that i've built my family that i built strong you know what i mean my my fiance my kids i just absolutely because that's the that's what we are here for we're a clan culture we can build our own family and that's survival and that's what brings us together that's community and and that's incredible yeah so it's like when they, they decided that uh they no longer they no longer wanted to be a part of me they also started to disown the people that were were associated with me and that hurt me more than them hurting me because it's like you're gonna turn your back, back on someone that's loved you their entire life because you want to prove a point to me like the most selfish of selfish you know what i mean so i don't know getting back to but what i said uh every time i i feel like i've been through it god gives me something else so my whole family disowns me the book comes out a relative runs into another person i get a dm and they're like hey we should check dna i think i'm your father i'm 46 years old at the time like god <laughs> like i i haven't had enough <laughs> so here i am last week swabbing for ancestry.com you know what i'm saying like <laughs> but when, just like when, when just when you've had enough god hits you with another one it's like how do, how do you how do you react like so my biological walks out a new dude walks in it's like we can't play catch anymore you know what i mean like what am i supposed to do with you wow yeah wow uh wow damn um angela cause yeah this i can't is... I, I just want to give you the wow. floor first i because i didn't want no, to talk tonight but go ahead. i gotta say i got you um because i gotta be honest be, i mean this is i've had a really question by them and that is something that is so traumatic because Family is supposed to be like this crazy, beautiful, like no matter what happens in this world, you have your family. Uh -huh. And so when it's your family that's not living up to what they're supposed to be, um, it, it feels harder. And to be able to speak up on that, it's very important because there are a lot of people that have built their own families. And there's some people out there that have not had an opportunity yet. And we also know that there's a lot of people who are in the foster care system and, and that's, you know, even more, you're, there's more and more. So to be able to speak on that 
and knowing that family is what you make it it's not biological it's a social oh. structure family is a social structure uh reproduction and genetics is the biological structure so thank you for really defining that wow yeah um that's well, yeah it's, it's not it's what you make it it's so true because when my grandmother passed away my family on my mom on my father's side of the family everybody just went the separate ways my dad was oh no okay we don't associate with them it is what it is so only me and my cousin when we got older we bumped into each other so i forgot how exactly we bumped into each other i think at the library or something like that and we just started talking like oh hey what's up and then that day we just something about the vibe just started like i don't know it just it just happened naturally but when my father found out that i was talking to my cousin because he's so because unfortunately my cousin associates with that my father's side of the family you know my father flat out told me listen until they fix this thing with your uncle i don't want you talking to him like and my thing was okay but that's between the brothers and the sisters like that has nothing to do with the grandchildren or the cousin that has nothing to do with us and he got mad that i said that but i'm like like what does that have to do with us like how you gonna tell me i can't talk to my cousin like i i, I didn't have a little brother I didn't really have a relationship with my older brother at that time or my sister because they're already doing their thing. And at that time, you know, my father and my sister had a falling out because, and it's go back to what you were saying about the disowning and not, you know, okay, we're not associated with you because same thing with my dad, when my sister moved out, my father was pissed off because she didn't live up to his expectations of what he wanted her to be. And then when he found out she was pregnant, he didn't, he pretty much didn't talk to her for nine years. They didn't talk to each other. And my brother, my, me and my brother, well, mostly my brother, he was pretty much in the middle of the thing. I was more like, you know what? I'm just not trying to be with that. I was barely home at one point. The fact that I would sleep over at my friend's house sometimes because I'm like, and I would lie to my mom, hey, I'm going to my sister's house. But I was really hanging out at my friend's house or something at my boy's house. And I was just like, I'm not dealing with this and then me and my father would get into arguments because oh well why where, why why you coming home late or why you're not coming home and all those other stuff and i just didn't want to respond i was just numb to the whole thing but just seeing that whole aspect play out the way it does and it's like you said family is not like you said it's not biological it's biological i guess it's just okay yeah but family is what you make it to be and that's how it was my cousins like, even though he's my cousin they were, were like bro brothers like he's like the little brother i never had and i'm like the older brother he never had but that bonded us together and we've been through a lot together as like what a bro like two actual brothers would have been together if that makes sense and it's like it's true man family's what you make it to be to be and it sucks that that's what it has to be it sucks that it's like that because like you said it should be when we're family by blood and by everything it should be yes unisons no matter what but it's not like that and it sucks that it's not like that and it's like, even like you said about the foster care thing, I just don't understand how a parent could, no matter how hard life is, how you can have bring a child to the, this world and not 100% support them in anything you do. And it's like, damn, you know, and now I'm the one that gets the short end of the stick because you're left lost. Wait, you're left lost. You're left wondering, okay, was this my fault? Was it something I did that made them look at me differently? Like, I understand that is definitely the thought process of any child in that situation. However, I don't know if we can pass judgment on a person like that because sometimes that is the best option. 
if there's somebody is somebody who is in a sick state of mind or they are not able to take care of their own self, that is a decision that's actually for the best interest of their child. As hard as that may be, if they cannot take care of their own child, why would you let that child suffer if you know that there is potentially a better option? Now, we know it's horrible because our system is horrible, because institutions are horrible. We let corruption exist and we don't fix our systems when they don't right. work. That's the real issue. But I'll tell you this, again, we cannot judge those because they are making the best decision for themselves. Of course, we can question it, absolutely. And the child has every right to have those feelings and thoughts and process because that is their existence. But there are bad people, but there are also people that have to make bad choices or good choices that to society are bad. And I just want to make that disclaimer. Yeah. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, yeah, no, but I was, you kind of just took the words out of my mouth because I was going to, that's just one side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is pretty much what you just said. That's exactly what it is. So oh, it's, like, you, it's true. Like, I finished the thought. I know you were going there, but I just had a railroad you. No, no, that's fine. No, no, because I, you, because I, I feel like I take forever to explain, and you kind of just get to the point, and I apologize for that. But yeah, so what I was saying was one side of the coin, but now what you're saying is the other side of the coin. But it, it, overall, it, it, it's, I think it's, it's unfortunate. This is what it is. Um, that's come down to sometimes, you know, like I said, like sometimes, like when it comes to falling out with family, it's like, damn, like we should be trying to work things out not lash out at each other and say all right fuck it go fuck yourself that sucks you know like you that that rome had to go through that like okay they disowned you and then they decided to disown the people that was associated with you and it, it sucks like damn you know like how much that yeah it just yeah it's sad his family is that source <laughs> in my book i actually wrote Sometimes the family that one builds is stronger than the family that one has been handed as we let go of the ones that discriminate us and acquire the ones that take us haven't taken us for granted. So it, it's true. You, you just you build, you build, you build, and, and you're going to like cut your losses. Absolutely you can choose what you want to make of this world you know you can't control things that happen to you but you can control your response to it and it is devastating it is painful and it is debilitating at times but to find a solution that also is shared throughout it provides that guidance to other people so that's why these things are so important um i know you have another piece that you want to like get us going because we definitely want to hear one more piece for you before we have to get going soon you know because uh that first one semicolon was definitely like i said tone tempo and true authentic terror what that feels like so what do you got for us now i have another uh poem about abuse that i um i read only one other time for a uh, queen liberati uh shout out to her so um, that's my girl so we met her morning. too. And it's about abuse. When I heard them rhyme words like orange, porridge, orange, door hinge, and storage, I thought, our tree can a buck can relate. What if I add my own flair to create? If I may step a bowl up to the plate. When he refers to porridge, what he's really referring to is stale oatmeal drowned in the lukewarm with the water, if that's all that he could forage when it was a shortage of the food that they normally ate. It's an act that he'd highly discourage at any rate, 
But if he must, he'd introduce it to a orange orange in his porridge since it was the only fruit left in icebox storage, but the floor fridge is usually running on empty. Since that one time when he actually spilt the last of his porridge on the floor and it left an orange floor tinge, you'd better clean it all up or you're going to be sorry. Don't tempt me. He'd stick to his floor fringe if that orange led to a sore bridge of his ass at the tail end of a belt or a slipper. They weren't orange nor fringe, yet they still kicked off his endorphins while wondering, would it be the black leather or the yellow slip-on ass whipper? He supposed either was better than being hit with an orange store wrench or a scuba diving slipper, right? For the better part of a year, he lived in fear of that goddamn slipper. Even more so if it came anywhere near several cans of beer, he, no, they weren't a sipper. That's when he learned the importance of an orange door hinge that they almost busted off like Jack the Ripper wheels on a goddamn slipper. Okay, it was a rusty copper color, but you get the freaking picture. At least the door is an upright, yet now open fixture. And his ass is about to become a magnificent red, yellow, black, and blue mixture. Looks like he's taking another one for the team. Blister. Wow. <laughs> Yo. Oh, man. Talk, talk to us about this right now. I need to know. Like, I, oh, talk to us about this piece, man. So Eminem said nothing rhymes with orange. So that's me rhyming with orange. And it's about an instance that really did happen in my life where um, I was dumping out in adults alcoholic beverages and they didn't like it and they came after me with a slipper, broke down my bedroom door, chased me under a bed, pulled me out and beat my ass. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I actually forgot what I originally wanted to say because of the whole ending of the story, but the rhyming with orange, yeah, that's what I was, that really, I heard that, like that really popped out to me. So when you said that's you rhyming with orange, it makes absolute perfect sense to me. Um, I also appreciate the laughter because I, I, you know, if you don't laugh, you cry. So you can chuckle it off or you can sob it out. Either way is fine as long as you get it out, you know, so. Um, it must be very incredibly powerful to then perform this piece, knowing what it's based off of and getting the response that you get because the rhyme scheme is so incredibly engaging and tight, you can't help but keep listening. And again, that orange line still popped out. So here that reference is still incredible. So please, the dish, dish, the question's not here. So the thing is, to be quite honest with you, this has always been my biggest fear in life is speaking out loud in front of an audience, in front of people, reading, never would have done it. This book was not intended to be read by me out loud. It just so happens that people want to hear it. And it's like, okay, if you really want to hear it, I'll do it. It's usually me, my microphone, the camera, and nobody else around. My door is shut. And, and it's always like... <laughs> Excuse me, allergies. It's always like, like, I can't wait to get this out, so I put it out the same night, regardless of what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it's like. If I ever really sat down and really like took a couple weeks to put together a piece, I feel like, oh, that would be amazing. But I don't have it in me not to release it that night and like be like, what are the people going to think? And then, and so that's what it is, is like, I write down these thoughts, I get them all together, and then it's like, I'm, I'm quick to, to, for the response. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Wow. I, I'm really lost for words because, like I said, everything you've said has just, just been, wow, you know, and it's the whole thought thing too, right? Because, like, I'll look back at my piece and I'm like, did I actually write this? Like, it's interesting, right? Because it feels like it's from outside, but it's not really from outside, but it feels like it is. And um, it, it, it's like, you know, like, it's like, like so I guess, like, like, cause when we write, we're not really thinking about it. It's just whatever comes out, you write it. It's when we look back at those pieces, it's like, wow, I really love this. Even though I don't feel like I wrote it, but I know I wrote it. But you know what? I want somebody else to see this and be like, you know, they could resonate with it. So I like how you just gave us an example of the whole third person perspective. You're saying, instead of saying I, you're saying he, like you were talking about earlier and you just showed us that. So that's what I love about that piece as well. Everything that rhymes with orange, but you were talking about an abuse and a thing and a situation you went through in that aspect. So I thought that was very authentic. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So it, the thing is, like, um, whenever I, I, I go to share something, it's like I get excited. Like, most of my views are probably me. <laughs> and it, it's like, I'll I'll watch my own video a hundred times. Like when I wrote my book, I've read my own book a hundred times, and and I can't believe that I did it. And it's not me being cocky. It's not being me. I wrote the best poetry book out there. That's me. That's I I honestly feel that way. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. You then tell me I'm wrong. But I, those are two poems from the book. Every poem is like that. Every poem is like a river because that's what I put into it and that's what I took out of it. I, I fine-tooth comb everything. Like I have one more that I've never shared with anyone if you want to hear it. And it's yeah, probably the only, love it. the only love poem in the entire book. It was to my fiance. And so nobody, this is one that's never been heard outside of my home. Wow. So you heard it here first, guys. It's called Wannabe. I just want to touch your freaking heart with every sentence that I write. I'm a wannabe. I want to be your first thought in the morning and your last thought every night. I want to be the one that gives you the courage not to walk away, but to stand your ground and forever fight for everything you've ever believed in, for everything that you've known deep down inside your heart is right. I want to be the answer the next time you're faced with a difficult question. I want to be your support system in the most saddest moments of self-depression. I want to be the positivity in those moments of weakness that lifts you back up from your feelings of depression. I want to be your inspiration towards that progression. I want to be the outstretched hand you look to hold. I want to be wrapped around your fingers in that hand whenever they bend to fold. I want to be the one that sits with you in silence when there are no words that can be said. I want to be there whenever you feel the need to talk about it or just to clear your head. I could go on and on forever. In fact, I could go on speaking metaphorically because I want to be the one that writes the air that you inhale to breathe. That way, every time you read my words, you exhale all the love that was written for you to see. I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to be your everything the same way you've been everything to me. Want to be. yeah wow i love that that's love right there man that's like true genuine love and you hear it you feel it you sense it man uh i, I love how you did all that i want to be because when, when you say the word want to be yo oh you just you just don't want to be but now you took that word but i don't know i want to be there for you i want to be the one you hold i want to be I, you know like you want to be that person to do a b c d like i love how you did that man that's <laughs> Yo, that's like true love right there, man. It's like if 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 you're sad, you know what? Then then let me, like I want to be the guy that 
you know, be there for you so you don't feel sad as much, that you don't feel like you're alone. I want to be the person that no matter what you're going through, I am there kind of situation. I love that. You, you sense the true love behind that. What do you think, Angela? I would say the recipient or the person who is the muse of that piece would be very pleased with the feeling because that's exactly what I think like love is. It's just wanting to do so much for the other person because it makes you feel whole and together because their love is what's making you grow and grow because that's you're pushing each other to be better, to grow together, to just have this existence together. And I can definitely feel that this is almost like a vowel kind of a, you know, yeah. vow situation, you know, because, I, you know, like, I'm going to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. This is my promise. This is my promise. And so that's why I think, Annie, you really relate to that. Because, again, as the person who would be the muse would really respond to that. That's exactly what I think love sounds like sometimes. And love should be unconditional for sure, I think, um, no matter what the aspects are. You know, because having boundaries and having conditions are two different things, I think. I think when love is unconditional, but there's boundaries within the unconditional love, I think that's what makes it more important because you're still respecting the space, but you're also letting the person know that, hey, I'm here for you. Uh, you're not alone. Like, if, if, if you're struggling, then we'll, we'll go through this together. And it's interesting, right, because I know in my life, you know, sometimes when life weighs me down, my wife is always the one that's there for me. And vice versa, when she's going through a tough time, I'm like, I'll drop whatever I got to drop off just to make sure she's good. Because, you know, life can get very stressful. Life can be depressing sometimes. Things could be discouraging at times, you know. But when you have that one thing or one person that lifts you up, then I feel like that true authority authentic love makes a big difference, in my opinion. I got to add something, because you kind of brought something out, too, about that po piece, too. It's There is this outpouring of unlimited wanting to do this, that, that, and the other, because this person is giving you their love. So it's not like it's it's your, you've already been fed the love, so now you want to go above and beyond for them. There is an awakening from this person that I think is clearly in there. I just wanted to show versatility. <laughs> we we spoke so much about the negative, and it's like I, I do have some some positive. <laughs> awesome. Um. So you know we're pretty much almost towards the end. Um. I guess my last question I wanted to ask you: Do you have anything you want to? Uh. Well. Okay. No. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Some more. What do you hope to leave behind? Nah, you're good. I actually, I actually wrote a poem in the book. I'm gonna keep on going back to the book, but in the book Go about uh, when I'm gone. Yeah, about when I'm gone. And the thing is, it, it, I actually, I went to Florida last week. I met with my best friend, and he told me, "You gotta stop worrying about your legacy." And you ask that question, and it's like, damn, he must know. I focus and worry, and I'm constantly like, my legacy, my legacy, my legacy. What am I leaving behind? What am I leaving behind? Um, for years, I was the most athletic. I could dunk a basketball in the ninth grade. I, you know what I mean? I was, I've always been an overachiever. Everything I do, I taught myself 
HTML, I taught myself uh, how to web and graphic design when I wanted a website. Like, I always just build, build, build. Go, I set small goals and I conquer them. So it's like, now it's, it's like, now what am I leaving behind? And it's this book. It's any book that comes after it. It's hopefully that I was a survivor, that I never gave up. I wasn't a victim and that I had a message to share and I shared it with the world unconditionally, uh, regardless of the outcome. I, I, I took everything on the chin and, and I and I persevered. So that's the message. Um, to go back to what it felt like to be uh, an award-winning finalist, I was pissed <laughs> because I'm competitive. And when I when I signed up, I was like, "That's mine." <laughs> and when I found out I was a finalist, I contacted them and I was like, "Yo, how close was it?" And they were like, "It was close." I was like, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> that is the best answer I could ever have gotten. I appreciate that so much. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, come on, though. I mean, that's pretty impressive as is. But even, I mean, I understand you're very competitive. You just told everybody out there, read my book. It's the best poetry book you'll ever read. Read it and prove it that you're that I'm wrong. So I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Andy? No, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, but it's like you got to have that confidence in yourself. Because if you don't believe in what you're putting out, then it's like, what are you putting out in the first place? That's the way I see it. So I, I see nothing wrong with that. And you're proving that your book is one of the best poetry books read. It is written. You're proving that. You're showing it to us right now. And we see it right now. And uh, thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, like any, any last thoughts that um, you want to share with us? One last thing on that. Um, after I found out who won, I went to Amazon and I had more reviews. So, FM. Uh, <laughs> um, so, my book is Tap Yet Unrooted Poetic Word Slaughter. And uh, I am Poetic Rome on everything. That's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you guys. Uh, honestly, like, it's been amazing. Like, I've been, I've been doing these interviews. This is one of my favorites so far. You and Queen Liberati gave me an awesome interview, so I'm just enjoying. I'm just enjoying being noticed because for a long time on this stupid Instagram app, I, I watch people that I I don't deem very good get a lot of accolades, and I'm like, when is it my turn? <laughs> I want to say um, thank okay. you. Okay. Well, I'll say this and then I'm done. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that we got this opportunity to discuss anything, like all this stuff with you, getting a more in-depth into your story and the power of your poetry. But I'm going to say this. I am never going to be in any competition against you because if I win, I'm scared. So, because I'm pretty competitive too. So, I, I mean, it would be blow for blow, but I don't know what category and I'm not going to even try it. Uh, oh, my God. No, I, I love what you said because... That's part of the reason why I created Unrivaled Influence in the first place because um, it's all about getting our stories out there. Like, why? I always say this, why celebrities are the only ones? Why can't we get our stories out there? This is why, yeah, I do the lives, but I also put them on the podcast platforms because you never know who might run into and be like, oh, wow, I want to know. So I always put it on the caption, this is the person's Instagram, and you can check them out here and all this other stuff because everybody has a story to tell. Everybody got something. It's like, 
it, it can't be just oh because you're very you know like you're a, a celebrity and everyone's like oh my god okay but what about us who you know I, I don't want to say we're a bunch of nobodies compared to them but I look at it as listen everybody got a story to tell it's more like this is a diary I guess you can say this is a um oh how how do I explain this? Like, this is a diary that we're just sharing our vulnerability. This is the safe space to share so we could tell stories. So, again, you don't know who's listening to this. You don't know. We don't know who might run into this, whether it's on the platform or whether it's on Instagram. And it's true because a lot of people we've had on here, too, like, you know, some of them had bigger followings. Some of them didn't have that much followings. But it's not, it's not about that. It's about getting the story out there and saying, hey, look, I hope this resonates with you because at the end of the day, you're not alone. You know, and, I, and you're doing that right now, too, even with your book, you know, and it's important. You know, um, everybody has a book. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something to leave behind. I think that's important, you know, and you're, you're doing that. You're doing that. You know? so that, that those are my final thoughts on that. That's the thing, like, the three of us have never, never met before, and, and we just related on topics that we didn't know we had in common. And that's what my book is. That's, if you've ever been abused in any sort of way, read my book. Thank me later, and we'll have a conversation because we all relate. We'll all relate. I promise you. I my entire life I thought I was alone, and I've learned through this book being published that I wasn't alone, and it's been a huge. It's just changed my life in a positive way. You know what I mean? It's not about the accolades. It's not about money. I'm not getting rich. It's about knowing that I'm not alone, and neither are you. Yeah. I'm wow, Angela. You gotta help me out here because you know I don't. I really don't want to end this, but you know we kind of no, have to. Like it. that's a perfect ending. I yeah. think that's uh, a perfect ending. I oh, don't want to say a damn word. Was... I, I thought that was like perfect. Mic drop ending. Yeah. That's exactly the point. We're not alone. We are so connected on so many fucking levels, but we're complete fucking strangers because we all fucking relate. And you've heard me say this. I'd say that poets are the true historians of the humanity, of the human spirit. And that's what you're showing and that's what you're showcasing. And that's why you, you have every right to say what you had to say, that we're going to fucking read that book and we're going to hands down believe in it. So, I've got the sequel in the works, and uh, once that drops, we can come back and we'll talk again. That sounds good. Uh, I'll hold you to that. Yes. Where can, for those who don't know, where can we find your book? Everywhere online. Uh, it's at Get Unrooted by author Jake Home. It's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble, it's everywhere. Uh, you know, okay, you heard it, guys. Get the book. Get the book right now. So, um, Rome, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for just having this conversation with us. And, yes, let, when the when the sequel comes out, let's definitely do it again for sure. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for trusting us to have this conversation with you. And, again, we appreciate you. Uh, talk to you soon. And, again, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for that joined in.